Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I was counting back the years to try figure out what age I was last time Celtic beat Livingston away from home. And it's a depressing conclusion because I wasn't all that young, considering that I, I would consider myself to still be a young man. Welcome along to the Huddle Breakdown. <laughs> the, we are the podcast to look at the performance, the the XG and the numbers of, of Celtic FC. And over the last week or so, it has not been pleasant viewing if you are a Celtic supporter. A 1-0 defeat to Livingston away from home in the Tony Macaroni Stadium. I think it's an insult in itself that Celtic have lost in a stadium called the Tony Macaroni Stadium. But that is a, a side note to all of this. Jico James, hello. Hey, Ender. Hey, Alan. Howdy. Alan Morrison, Celtic by Numbers. We said we had our reservations about this game. We went into details about how Livingston will make it tough. And tough they did make it. A low block to beat all low blocks. A miserable game. Uh, have you rewatched this in full? Because <laughs> well, if to, you I have, have <laughs> you're not earning your wage, or your, your wage is not high enough for you. Yeah, no, I have to. I don't. I don't capture the data unless I do. So, unfortunately, yes, um, I had to watch it back. I actually, um, you know, wrote a, a small preview piece on the Celtic by Numbers site, and it was. Looking at their performance data so far this season was very optimistic. I couldn't believe I couldn't believe how poor they they have been this season, which just goes to show <laughs> what can go wrong. Um, I mean, listen, I, I, Postacoglu did not, or as far as I'm aware, and I've not watched all the interviews to be honest, because there's only so much I could take. But as far as I'm aware, he has not used either you know the Betis game. Or the the lack of ability to rotate players and the continual injuries, he didn't use any of those things, as far as I'm aware, as an, as an excuse for that performance. And fair play to him, but in in my view, that was a very tired performance, even if not physically. And I think it was for some players, and I'll, I'll touch on that. And certainly mentally, and then the way that mental tiredness manifests itself in football is 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 at either end of the pitch, right? So. You 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 either you, you you doze off, don't spot danger quick enough in the defensive side, and then you 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 can't make clear decisions quickly enough, um, and and overcompensate by by rushing things in the final third. Uh, you know, same sort of outcome as as you get from sort of stress. So we'll touch on the creativity piece and the evidence for that, which I as I say I think. Was was partly at least explained by fatigue, but if you think about the fact that you know Tom Rogic, for example, we all know struggles with fitness generally, not 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 even injury, just general conditioning and and match fitness. He he played his first and only ninety minutes of the season in the heat of Seville. Okay, on the on the run up to this game, and if you look at his contribution to the game. I mean, 19 passes. So in a midfield three, he's completed 19 passes. Not a single chance did he create. Turnbull, 56 passes. McCarthy, 49, right? So he was just peripheral, utterly peripheral to the game. Turnbull, 
um, was completing his third 90, full 90 minutes in a row. And as you recall, all through last season, we were used to seeing Turnbull, whether he was playing well or not, generally going off but, you know, from anywhere from the 65th minute onwards. Yota, Yota played as straight in the team and has played three 90 minutes in a week, right? He didn't play 90 minutes in a single game of football last season. The last time he played back-to-back 90 minutes was in the 19, it was in the 1819 season in the Portuguese second division. And even then, three games in a row meant Saturday, 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 not Saturday, Thursday, Thursday Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, Juranovic, again, is coming to this team and he's on the back of being thrown in, uh, has played for, for 90 minutes. Ayeti has played the last three 90 minutes in a week. The last time he's completed 90 minutes for Celtic was on the was on was in the middle of February, and it's it, again it's the, the 1819 season. The last time Ajeti completed three matches in a row, a full 90 minutes, and that was for Basel. And again, that wasn't necessarily three games in a week. So you know those things I, I cannot believe didn't matter. <laughs> And the fact that you know we don't again continuing not to have good options on the bench, and but you know fair play to Postecoglou, he didn't use that as an excuse. But to me, you know the the, the lack of creativity. I mean, J, uh, James, before we came on here, mentioned the crosses. We attempted thirty eight crosses in this game. Um, that's nine more than any other game this season. And you might think crosses are a proxy for getting the ball in the box and you know trying to make things happen. It, to me, it's a proxy for lazy, lazy, not lazy thinking, just thinking oh, I've got to get the ball in the box and be seen to be doing something because I can't work out how to break down this defence or just lob it in the box and hope that something happens. And then, you know, disappointed when the, the, the land of the giants in there and the black shirts kind of headed away continuously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, only five were successful. We, we, we averaged 17 crosses a game, <laughs> 38. Okay. Um, you know, we we don't we, we play short from corners for a reason because we don't have an aerial threat, right? So banging in 38 crosses is not, not really going to do it. Um, you know, the, the expected assists from the games, this is chances created through actual passes leading to a shot was 1.5. The season average is 2.5. It was zero big chances as classified in this game, uh, which is the first time this season that's happened. We only failed. We failed with one through ball. Normally, we attempt loads more than that. Um, we only got bypassed pack, packing stats. Fourteen defenders. Um, I know they were sat in. They weren't. Their defenders weren't really going over the halfway line. But the average is about nineteen. Rogic and McCarthy zero expected assists between them. That's two thirds of your midfield. Abada and Jota, your wide players, point one expected assists so there's just no creativity Uh, and as I say I think it's a combination of mainly tiredness and then also I think the we'll talk about the midfield three a little bit as to why they weren't um, uh, you know effective Uh, we'll touch on that as a separate topic maybe but I'll just pause there because that's probably depressing enough. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot in that. I, I tweeted after the game. Some people weren't really on board with it, but I, I do think it's no. important to add context to these defeats. It's not not to give an excuse, but it does. I mean, it adds to reasonings why this potentially could have happened. So, so if I just, sorry, Indica, I just come in on that one. Because I, I, what I sensed after the game, and I don't tend to, especially after defeat, I don't really engage on social media at all. It's just pointless. But um, certainly after, what is it, three, four defeats in five games, whatever it is, there seemed to be a real um, shift for people just not wanting to, to, to tolerate anything that they thought was going to be considered an excuse. And, and that, we, we now have to move on to blaming somebody. We now have to move on to giving Postacoglu a kicking or the players a kicking because, you know, that's, that, that's, that's, that's just how I feel and that's how, what, how I want to react. So I didn't get into that whole tiredness thing. But to me, I, to me it's an obvious thing, right? It's yeah. pretty obvious. I mean, it was 28, 29 degrees in Seville. No subs were used. It was just, you know, and, and, the, and it was a hell of a game in terms of the intensity of it. Well, in terms of squad, this was a real anomaly of a game because there's so much going on that has, you know, the, the chaos within the starting 11 alone will let you know that 
this game may not have ever been going to go Celtic's favor. And give, don't get me wrong, Livingston, you know, they're a, a side, small side of the small budget and small wage package. So Celtic should, these players should be able to find a way. But the back four of Bolly Bongoli, Bolly hasn't played any over a year for Celtic. Uh, Welsh Carter Vickers haven't played together this year. Juranovic starting at right back for the first time. That four combination never played together. The uh, centre midfield of James McCarthy, who has reportedly been out for COVID over the last two weeks before this. Uh, Tom Rogic and David Turnbull, like you said, who have played multiple games now in a row. And um, no real replacements on the bench for either of the, those two players to change it up a bit, even to like change the formation, change the style, change your approach. There's nobody on the bench that can actually replace them. Um, likewise, in the forward line with Jota, Ayati and Abada, that's the first time that they've played in the same in those positions together. And Abada has just come back from injury. On the bench, you have Liam Scales has not played a game for Celtic yet. Near Beaton has not played in several weeks um, and is a centre back. So you've got one centre back there, Ismail Asaro, who is a centre defensive midfielder, Mikey Johnson, who has barely played over the last year and a half, Scott Bain. And I think there's somebody else that I'm missing, but I can't see them on my screen. But essentially, Celtic had uh, three defenders. Um, I think Montgomery was the other one. Mo- Montgomery, sorry. <laughs> yeah, they, they had three yeah. defenders, two fullbacks, one centre-back, and uh, a centre-defensive midfielder, and a goalkeeper. That's what Celtic had to take off the bench. So if your game plan number one does not work, you do not have a second game plan because you do not have anybody to change your game plan because the players just simply aren't there. I don't think that is making excuses. I think that's just bloody obvious. I, I agree. I think the other part that's is um, you know worthy of consideration is um, you know the relative st- stylistic matchup. So um, Livingston's pitch, obviously, you know, everyone talks about it's dry and it's plastic and it has weird bounces and that type of thing. But they, that's compounded by the fact, and I, I actually I'm starting to do a little bit of a mini project, um, doing some regression analysis to see if this, if there's any uh, signal in the noise, is uh, the pitch size. From what I could find in public information, is smallest in in it's, the premiership it's wide enough it's just very short right so yeah. there's just there's just less ground for them to cover and when your um game plan is to play narrow and park the bus um and you know when you have a matchup like uh celtic where you don't really have a target man so to speak or we're not playing two up top uh i did a piece a while back for for alan's site um uh, basically looking at this phenomena which is um you know why under lennon or even under rogers we hadn't tried to up top you know playing narrow with these kind of um opponents to look at alternative ways because it's just difficult to drag teams like this out of position on that kind of pitch with the the dimensions that they're dealing with I mean, it's just a totally different animal playing there versus let's say saint mirren whose pitch is almost as big as celtic park uh, again, going off of what I've found publicly, um, so th- there's you know some some nuance there. All of the factors. I mean, I think Alan's um, information on uh, the games played and the minutes is is tremendous uh, context, uh, and the depth of it is is really valuable. Um, so yeah, it's it's you know we've talked about risks piling up and how they can manifest and. Um, you know, throw on throw that into the mixer with uh, the fact that they had a mid, a central midfielder playing striker who had an unbelievable finish, right? So that's the formula. That was a great for, goal. Yeah, it was. So that's you a, mentioned that, how good a finish that was. Yeah, so that's that's a that's a formula for a one nil loss at Livingston when you pile all this stuff up, even though they've been playing terribly and, um, you know, have a wage budget that's like one twenty-fifth of ours um so that's how these things can can emerge um in, in my benchmarking mar- uh thread i did before the game i mean th- this is also something that didn't come out of nowhere it's actually very comparable in some of the underlying uh, stats to the nil nil in november of i think it was 18 under rogers um you know where it was just a dreadful game and just not much in it. And the big difference with this one was that finish from uh, from Shinny. So, 
you know, it, 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 it's, um, I, that, that's why all this context I think is important. It doesn't excuse it. It doesn't mean that, you know, losing the three home game, uh, away games in a row isn't concerning and all these other things. It's, but that's what we do here is we try to explain why things happen, provide that context and then discuss and debate whether these things are going to potentially be persistent. Is this a one-off is, you know, how, how do we try to extrapolate maybe some of the lessons that we can draw from a game like this and whether there's anything to really project forward. We're going to play there one more time, at least I think. Um, so, you know, we'll see what, what that looks like when, when we get down to the third round of fixtures. Yeah. So there's quite a bit to get into when it, uh, when you're looking at this game, we will talk about the forward line. Ange was talking about Gia Kamakos, the reason that he has been playing, He's not fit enough is the answer that um, he's not ready to play first team football for Celtic. And uh, that pretty much goes for a, l- a lot of players at the minute. Celtic did bring in a new uh, strength and conditioning coach, the former Spurs um, coach as well. So that hopefully will add a little bit of a layer of uh, improvement in that side of things. Let's start with the midfield though, because it was, like I said, James McCarthy, David Turnbull and Tom Rogic. Not a lot of legs in that midfield to start off with. <laughs> Secondly, ball progression from the uh, number six position. James, you highlighted James McCarthy's weak, weak point from that in, in general. I would argue that Ange started with this because he figured that if the game wasn't going the way that Ismail Asaro adds a little bit more energy into the midfield that he can actually potentially change it, whereas James McCarthy... I mean, what's the point bringing him off the bench if you need to win the game, or if you need to actually go chase the game? It's a different story if you're you're defending a lead. So where do we start with this midfield, Alan? So <laughs> what, what unifies the three is, I think you alluded to, is a general lack of athleticism. And secondly, is a, a lack of um, ball, ball regain <laughs> ability which in a high-pressing system is absolutely paramount. And actually, against a low block, is even more paramount. So I, I, I think those three are, and I hate to use what's becoming a cliche, but I think that is a pretty much a toxic combination in midfield uh, because the one thing that was really obvious um, is on that pitch, um, it is more difficult to physically turn. And um, what you were seeing over and over again was the ball being played into midfield and then it coming straight back again because players were either... Some of it could have been about poor body shape, not receiving the ball on the half turn. Some of it could have been about just the sheer aggression and energy of the of the Livingston, you know, marking and, and press once, once Celtic over the halfway line, which is, you know, you can't fault the, the pack the team full of young legs and they absolutely ran after Celtic every time they crossed the halfway line. Um, you know, shame they couldn't keep it up last night, but hey, two games in a week. Um, so the, the you know, but that that inability to receive the ball and turn and go forward in midfield meant the ball just kept being, being recycled back again, and none of those three had the ability. And I mean, and, and what I'm talking about is if, if you if you contrast with Sorrow, who's who's quite short. But and as a low center of gravity, Soros was able to change direction very quickly. And again, when nobody's you know saying Soros like you know the reincarnation of Golo Kante, but he has that ability to to shift position to move quickly. He moves, he can move the ball quicker physically, and he can move move himself and turn quicker. I and mean, that was just lacking across all three players. So it just meant that midfield was really really ponderous in that regard. And then as I say. Against a low block, you can press really aggressively because what are they going to do? From a very deep position, they're going to launch it long to a midfielder right now. You might lose the odd header, but are they going to be able to get to that second ball quick enough? So you can really go for it in terms of that high press. Um, and But when you're but when you when you're midfield three, or McCarthy, who just really didn't get involved. I mean, his stats were quite incredible in a way. Um, he, he actually didn't lose a single challenge, but he only won five. Even Brown was getting involved in double that number of challenges last season, even as old as he was and as slow as he was. He was he was, he was getting himself involved in double the double the moves, double the uh, the challenges. Rogic and Turnbull, um, 
basically uh, won one challenge between them in the whole game. And their averages over the season are, are amongst the lowest across the, the team. So you've got three players there, whether it's McCarthy's overall low volume and Rogic's and Turnbull's inability to press and win the ball back. So that whole centre, you're not you're not effectively pressing and putting that Livingston uh, team under pressure. Because if you could win the ball back again, you have a Christie winning the ball back on the edge of the Livingston penalty area, then things start to happen and you start to break down that low block a lot easier. So it, that 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 side of it, I think, was just uh, a disaster for uh, for Celtic. Um, you know, as I say, physically, and then you know, in, in their ability to to influence. I mean, Turnbull, I, I had him as my man in the match because actually he had the best sort of offensive stats once he did get the ball, once he did get moving forward. But in terms of the system, the context of how Andrew Postecoglou wants to play, and then the context of trying to break down a low block, and the context of having three players like that all playing in the, in that same position terrible <laughs> well and I, I think that that's a great summary alan and i think that's um that's why we were shuttled wide so much that's why where there was any you know if you even want to call it creativity or attempts at creativity that's where it was coming from is because there was just this huge black hole <laughs> in midfield as a result of all of that um combined with the fact that they were crowding narrowly in that deep block i mean it's just um there there was no mechanism to be dragging defenders out of out of position um the the rapidity with which the ball was being moved was too slow in order to do that uh because of the fatigue issues players weren't making runs the players weren't necessarily good run uh creators anyway you know it's not Kyogo in there or um you know, somebody like that that's going to be making dynamic runs. So you throw all that into the, as I said earlier, you throw it all into the mixer and that's, you know, that's the explanation. The one the one thing I did, you know, I, I, I've been uh, very vocal in um, expressing my displeasure with some of the transfers that came in over the summer, uh, M- McCarthy being one of them. But, you know, there's no question there's extenuating circumstances with him, given the fact that he was just coming off of COVID reportedly, going into play um, in this kind of game on that pitch. Um, so, you know, I, I it hasn't really changed anything that, that I think longer term, but I think to think that that iteration of McCarthy is likely to be the baseline, I think that's unfair. I think, you know, he... he God help us if it is. Um, and I think it's unrealistic uh, to think that it is. I mean, I, I think he'll get better, um, but so will the opposition. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's my concern. As I always say, how does it scale? How, how does, you know, because when you when you have a position, a, a player of his skill set in that position, it creates basically two ways for a team, um, at least two, uh, to kind of try and um, benefit from those deficiencies. One is just to stand off, let him have the ball, you know, and they did that at points where he would just have the ball in space. And what are you going to do with it? Basically, you know, let him try to do something with it and, and cut off passing lanes and aggressively limit his options. And then the other option is to just press him aggressively. Uh, and, and we didn't see that a ton um, but if, if you just kind of envision somebody like a Ryan Kent or, you know, uh, even a couple of the midfielders for Hibs that are pretty athletic guys, pretty decent size, um, you know, the, like, like we've seen people targeting uh, McGregor now to try and nullify him and build up, um, you know, so th- there's going to be multiple ways for opponents to try and, you know, capitalize on some of these structural deficiencies that that we're, we're going to have now if, if um, even if he does and hopefully he will, and I think it's more likely than not that, that he gets significantly better. Yeah. Well, there were reports in the athletic from Kieran Devlin as well this week that came out that sparked a sort of a, an angry response online about James McCarthy and his ability to get up to speed with post, post game plan and the training sessions as well. Apparently he's struggling and that, you know, you have to take each source with a pinch of salt, but if, if it's been reported, then, there's either somebody in the training ground that's uh, reporting this to Karen Devlin or it's actually happening. So um, there, there, it is worrying signs that, that that stuff's coming out at this stage of the season. 
one thing that I do want to ask you guys is something that has, has been asked, uh, sort of thrown out there without any real, I guess, uh, evidence or sort of argument behind it. It's just say, people saying that Celtic should have had a plan B. They should, you know, they, they should have did something else. Okay, what else should they have done? Well, I don't know. But that's essentially the, the guts of the argument. Is, is there anything else Celtic could have done here? Because from where I'm standing, looking, taking the squad on its merits, on the style of the play, on the, the quality of players they have, the positions that these players play, a, pos- a possessional game for me doesn't work against Livingston because, I mean, they were playing deep, so they're just going to sit back and let you have the ball. And, I mean, our, do Celtic have those penetrating passes to a forward who's breaking those lines in a Yeti? I don't think so. Can you play a long dr- dramatic ball that you're you know you're getting the ball in the center backs and they're playing it over the the top of the the defense? I don't think we have the players that are going to hold up the position. So what could Celtic have done differently here in the midfield if anything? Well, as I say you've already got a situation where you've got two number 8s who are not number 8s trying to break down uh you know having the energy to break down a low block without the energy uh, and no one on the bench to to like to you know to improve that situation um what 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 he did was uh, i think all he could do he he put biton on to um vary the passing options from the back so sometimes he could go if if there was an opportunity which i don't think there was uh, because they're defending a lead so they didn't they didn't empty their own their own defensive zone really so the long ball was very rarely rarely on but that was an option, um, and he brought Sorrow on to you know, again just give that additional energy. And immediately, he he, he played a very quick through ball into Ajeti's feet for the best chance in the game. Great save. Um, um, that and that and that you know we didn't we didn't manage to do that again. The only the only freshening up in the wide areas was going to be through through Johnson, who again we know um, is you know he's been out for a long time. His, his touch and his feel and his up to game speed, you know, just wasn't wasn't there. I, 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 so, you know, what, what, what plan B? What would you, what would you suggest? You know, we couldn't have two forwards on there. Uh, we couldn't, we couldn't. You know, we were already banging in more crosses than we'd ever done, which you could argue as a plan B, and that didn't work. Um, you know, more long shots. We all hate, we all love that, don't we? Um, you know, the, so the, the options are just not there, and 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 this is going to become apparent <laughs> in a lot of games between now and um, probably the end of January. Uh, if uh, until the, either the injuries clear or you know we get some re- uh, reinforcements because there just isn't the depth um, and, and certainly in the attacking areas. I mean, this is your third choice striker. Yeah, that, that is what it is. Yeah, I I, I generally agree. I th- I think um, the the one I shouldn't say the one. I think that to make a significant change that could be meaningful requ- would require some radical changes. And experimentation, right? So, for example, um, you know, one one of the the, the theories I've had um, relative to this kind of an opponent is rather than try to outfox them, basically match them in what they're doing, and just use your better athletes. So, for example, you know, and again, I'm saying this is extreme; it's theoretical. The likelihood of Pasto Coglu or really most managers doing something like this. I mean, this is like Barnsley territory, you know, going really counter to the normalcy and and seeing if there's something that maybe gives you a competitive advantage is, you know, play guys like Irrigidi, Shaw, put Shaw in the midfield. Um, Shaw's a big, strong, relatively athletic young guy who's, you know, even though what we've heard and seen, maybe he's not ready for our first team. Normally he's still probably better than the players on Livingston. Um, and his physical profile and his athletic profile, you know, so my, basically what I'm getting at is kind of match their narrowness, match their physicality with what we have with better athletes, and then just do better at the chaos. Right. Just basically say, okay, we're not going to try and outfox you and, and, you know, play around your chaos. We're going to mix it up with you with our better athletes and just expect that we'll do better with the chaos. Now, there's risk to that. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about is a huge one. Um, But intuitively to me, that at least 
could be a, a, a way to try and combat this very weird situation um, that again, this is not out of nowhere. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I, I read a lot about people saying, well, this is only since they came back to the premiership. It's only the fifth game now, um, which is all true. But those five games are now against three different managers that played three different ways. And um, Livingston, prior to coming back up, was not embracing any kind of uh, analytics like they are, as we talked about in the preview to the, to the game where they've kind of optimized what they do to a degree. Uh, particularly at home. So, you know, I, I think there might be some ways to do it, but I, I agree with Alan. And it, I think, I think Ange pulled the levers that were reasonable to pull. I mean, I heard, I saw a lot of people just, you know, as normal as Alan talked about blaming, you know, people, people blaming Baton for that loss. And, you know, it's confirmation bias kind of craziness that goes on. Um, I thought that was a reasonable sub because he is one of our best, deep lying passers and we were desperate to try and get cre- uh, chances created. Hmm. Um, and at that point they weren't really doing anything to counter of any s- substance. So there's the problems yeah. that we've talked about with him defending was a lesser evil relative to maybe he can do something creatively. I mean, you could, you could have done it earlier, maybe. I mean, they, they, they did a really, really, really sound job in completely killing the game. Um, if you, I find it, and I need to do something properly on this, but pack pack passing volume and chance creation, I, I think are almost exactly correlated. Um, and and then if you drew, if you drew like a little one of these little diagrams of the game showing expected goals as it goes through the games, and you drew packing, you would you'd actually tell the story of the game quite well. And there was there was two moments in the second half around about. Shortly after halftime and sort of sixty second minute or something like that, where Celtic didn't complete a pack pass for three, four, five minutes in two blocks. That's very unusual. Normally, it's one or two passes a minute that are like that, um, and it just that absolutely kills momentum because they were, you know, they were they were going down at every touch. They were getting the free kick awarded in their favour, and then they were getting this trainer on, and, and they absolutely killed it. So you could have you could have perhaps changed it up a little bit earlier. Maybe that would be a slight criticism rather than the seventy second minute, but. Honestly, I, I don't see it. I just don't see it. I think that's a good point. Definitely, he could have made particularly the, the first two subs with Sorrow and bits yeah. on earlier. Um, so, yeah, agree with that. Yeah, there's there's a couple of players as well. You know, I and I think this is purely out of the necessity that potentially you could argue. You, you know, you're going into this side, this game that Livingston are going to try and nick a goal and sit back and maybe you should have more options on the bench. Like you have three defenders, a defensive midfielder and a goalkeeper on the bench. Like maybe bring Owen Moffat up from the Bs for this game to have him on the bench, even if you're not going to use him just as an option to change it up. Potentially Bonson Lawwell, the midfielder who's supposed to be doing really well as well. Simply just to have those options. Maybe that that is potentially one thing that you could, you could have in your locker. Let's move to the forward line then. I think, I think in general it was a poor game for Abada and for for Jota. I don't think they they did much in general. In terms of Albion Ajeti, the game plan. Well, I'll say the, I'll say the game plan. The game plan that Celtic implemented with, like you said, thirty eight crosses going into it. It just doesn't suit Albion Ajeti, and he was on a fool's errand really throughout the entire game. But could he have done more? Well, uh, last season, you you probably might remember, I, I think I said, look, I still think there's some value and utility in a jetty, but what I would be telling him is don't leave the width of the 18-yard box or the penalty area and, and, and get in the box as much as you can and don't be trying to go out wide and linking play and, and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, I, I've, I've got what I asked for because that's exactly how Postacoglu was told him to play. Um, it's actually quite astonishing the degree to which a Yeti isn't involved in the game. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he's played three consecutive 90 minutes now, and in those uh, three games, he's had 49 possession events. So 49 kind of interactions with the ball or challenges, that kind of thing. That averages 16 a game. If you compare that with recent forwards, you know, Edward, 33 possession events a game, Kyogo, 36, even Lee Griffiths, 37, can you believe? Um, uh, so, Well, Lee Griffiths it, is currently kicking uh, 
kicking, kicking things out of the crowd. So, kicking uh, fire all around, yeah. Yeah, let, let's leave him out of it. <laughs> uh, does that count in his uh, 37? Uh, there you go. Um, so, so, the, so the guy is literally is like there to do one thing, and that's score goals. And to be fair to him, you know, from 16 possession events, um, he's averaging just 0.56 expected goals. He's getting three shots in the box per game. Um, and he's over. He's over. Uh, overachieving on his xG. He's actually averaging 0.84 goals a game. But if you, but you know, so I think I think that is probably the best use of a jetty because he's not particularly fast. I think you want him in a position like Sorrow found him, where he just gets a second to get a shot away, and he got it perfectly on target in the corner low. It was just a great save. Um, that's exactly what you're looking for. But you know we've got to we've got to be honest and realistic about this. This is his Celtic's third choice striker. If you look at, I just did a quick comparison of his stats with Edward. We know Edward wasn't exactly on the top of his form this season, but if you look at expected goals, shots, and total big chances, expected assists, key passes, touches in the box, they're all lower for a Jetty than they were for Edward. Um, so you know this is this is our third choice striker, um, and we've got nobody to come off the bench and offer a different option. But I think Postacoglu, again, one of his strengths I think we'll see is his ability to simplify things, both in terms of how players are used, but also the, the game in general, which is always a is a, is a huge skill in my book. Um, I think with a jetty like he has with with um, Starfelt, is he's got him to simplify his game, which I think again is a, is going to be an overall a good thing. But again, we come back to when when it doesn't come, when it's not working, or there's you know. We've tried the same thing. Thirty-eight crosses banged in. Nothing's happening. There's nothing. There was nothing there to change it up. James, yeah, I, I think a good thing to remember is that the the, the high likelihood is that a jetty was recruited to play as a striker with Edward in a three-five-two. Uh, so his skill set of staying around the box and basically being good at finishing low crosses and um, linking up with a creative striker that basically puts it on a platform um, as Edward was capable of doing when he was at his best um, playing with another striker. I, I think that's basically where his optimal role may have been at Celtic, but that's not the role he's going to have in um, Ange's system. And, um, you know, so you're left as we've talked about trying to optimize with these misshapen parts and um you know whipping 38 crosses into a guy who wins less than one third of his aerial duels is <laughs> um is you know kind of the res- kind of the type of result that can manifest when when you've got these misshapen parts yeah so i guess the final question before we move on to the wraith rovers game this evening where do we go from here in terms of the league? How much pressure is Ange under now to pick up results where even, you know, look, the squad's not there. It's not going to be there for a while. Um, where, where do we go from here now in terms of uh, picking ourselves up and, and going again against Hibs, who are a good side this year? They're going to be tough to beat. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, look, it's I think it is, as James said last week, um, probably more points were dropped will be dropped than perhaps in the last couple of seasons. I mean, uh, you know, the, the Rangers had to rely on an absolutely incredibly offside goal to even get a point at home to Motherwell. Um, you know, Sorry, it's, it's, it's Dundee to United next. Sorry, it's not him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, the, the, I'm sure there will be drop points if, if they continue to play the, the way that they are. It, 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 it just needs more bodies. He needs more bodies and he needs time. And, and and it's I'm sorry, but it's we just have to be patient with that. There's going to be more games like that, unfortunately, especially off the back of European matches. You know, when we play Leverkusen, it's going to be another hard, high intensity game of football where, you know, to be in the game, we're going to have to keep players on the pitch because we don't have the option to swap them out. And then on the back of that game, we'll be playing another whatever whoever it is we play, and it'll be you know there's you know the the chance that we could get a similar outcome. To what we had against Livingston, and until, you know, until we can magic up some players that are fit and 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 you know can can play in that system effectively, these are the risks that we take, and and the injury situation just doesn't seem to be getting any better. Um, mm. I, I hope yeah. it's not true, but somebody 
who was right about McGregor, told me that Johnson was injured in training again. So that could be yet one one less option. We'll, we'll see if that's the case. He's, I think he's on the front of the program cover for the tonight, which don't normally means you're playing, but we'll see. So um, yeah, I, I've no I've no magic answer to that, and I'm um, sorry. You just we just need to get bodies fit and and playing and more of them. Yeah, uh, just as a matter of uh, detail, because I had just looked it up. Is um, we go to Pataudry after Leverkusen, so um, not not the easiest of given the grand scheme of things. Um, uh, you know, it's not 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 a, a cherry picked uh, fixture. Uh, coming off of that, <clears throat> especially have it, I think it's in Germany, but, um, so yeah, I, I think, um, I've been trying to kind of manage expectations for myself, uh, and communicating that when, when I've been putting stuff out, because all the points that Alan raised, I agree with, um, it, it's just a matter of, uh, of, of squad depth and, um, you know, there's so many guys out and, um, you know, with the lack of robustness in the squad to begin with, and you know some of these misshapen parts contributing to that, that those were all the risks that we talked about in August, uh, where if some of these things happened, that we could be in a rough spot. Uh, so I think we're in the midst of that now, and I think even Angie's kind of, you know, without saying it, has said it, <laughs> which is you know that we, we've got some difficult things here that we've kind of got to try and keep this close in the league um, while we're getting healthy and, and while the numbers kind of uh, come back and, you know, maybe that's Kyogo in a couple of weeks, hopefully um, sounds like it's a little longer for Forrest, which is a bit of a disappointment. Um, you know, he had been supposedly seven to 10 days out a couple of weeks ago, and now it looks like he's going to be post uh, mid, mid October. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's just real tough. And it, the, the issues in midfield are just not going away that that's, those are going to be there until at least January, uh, mm-hmm. pending some other transfers. Uh, so we need, we need McGregor back. The problem with that is if he's having any kind of soft tissue injury issues, which they call it a knock, but that's w- one of the things that has changed at <clears throat> Celtic season is that the, communication on the injury front has regressed. Uh, so they've been worse at providing any kind of information on what's going on with injured players of significance. So um, I was told hamstring. Yeah. Uh, that's why yeah. I was really worried about McGregor. Yeah. So that that's a soft tissue injury and, you know, a knock usually is one or two games and now we're pushing well over a week now for him. So that's a kind of injury where if it's not properly healed, and then we're trying to flog him like we've been flogging him for five years um, and just kind of throw him right back into that, then he could do something more long lasting, you know, more of instead of a two or three week kind of hamstring, it could be a, you know, eight to 12 week kind of hamstring. And yeah. uh, that, that would be, you know, calamitous. So um, they need to let him heal and hopefully they can handle this. In, in managing him back to fitness and, and not act. This is the hard part. You get, you get decisions that end up being made out of, you know, maybe desperation's too hard of a, but being forced, you know, you get forced into playing people that maybe shouldn't be playing. And we talked about, hopefully they were going to be deploying a new system for managing injury risk. And now it's like, well, when you've got down to threadbare squad, you know, you, you get a Sophie's choice. Do you, do you roll the dice on injury risk when you maybe think that the odds are higher than they should be? Or do you arrest people knowing that your alternative is playing guys that you're not confident in as a, as first team quality? You know, that's a, that's a less than optimal position to be put in. Yeah, for sure. So let's finish up with uh, Wraith Rovers then in the league cup tonight. Do we start the likes of, Boston Lawwell, Mikey Johnson, these younger lads who, you know, have loads of legs, have not played loads of games. Uh, Liam Shaw, for example, Eric Hede, does he get a chance? What do we do here? So I, w- I would, I would not change the, the the back three. So Hart, Carter, Vickers, and probably if Starfield's, I think he was ill at the weekend. If he's fit, I'd bring him back in. I'd keep those three and just keep building that relationship, building that continuity. I wouldn't change them at all. 
Um, Juranovic, to be fair to him, seems like a guy that can run all day. So if he's fit, he plays. I actually, I actually thought Bongoli did pretty well. Uh, I know you know there's a lot of baggage associated with him now, and you can't see anything without people's biases kicking in. But I would actually keep the back four right in, in uh, maybe swap Starfelt in. What I would, what I don't think will happen. What I would actually try and do is I would have a go at recalibrating the central midfield. And and this this is going to sound counterintuitive, but I just think it's going to be better from a balance and overall um, game control. Uh, and just to James's point, the right Jenga pieces fitting together. I'd I'd, I'd actually have Biton and Sorrow as as, a, as two as two sort of sixes. You've got a combination of passing range and and and, you, and, and aggression, and you've got a player that will sit. And so Sorrow's freer to be. A, to be a bit more random as he is with some of his movements and his runs, and then I'd play either Turnbull or Rogic as a single as a ten, closer to a Yeti, so as he's got that person to feed little balls through to him. I'd probably start with Turnbull. I think his form's good um, as a, as a and push him forward uh, and play that that sort of uh, three as a as a sort of uh, two sixes and a and a ten. Abada missed a few games. I'd keep him in on the right. I'd probably give Jota a rest, let Montgomery have another game, and there's no other option but a jetty up front. So if it was me, that's what I'd do, but I don't know what condition the players are in, so half of these might be injured again. James, do you want to have a go at uh, your starting lineup? Yeah, I, I think that's a great uh, uh, shout from Alan. I think that the only kind of practical tweak I would uh, uh, maybe suggest is to get um, even... You know, and I, I agree from a tactical perspective, the 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 Soro uh Beton combination makes more sense. But I'd probably play McCarthy next to Beton just to get him more minutes, assuming again that he's up to it uh in his recovery from COVID. And uh outside of that, I mean the only other uh thing I'll add is that uh Jimakis sounds like he's gonna be on the bench. Hopefully bring him in with more than five minutes left, get him some time. Um uh, so yeah, I mean, if if we can't wrote, so this this goes back to the uh, expectation management, kind of the practical reality of where Ange's tenure is at, which is because of how things are gone. You know, if if they if we put in a poor performance, or you know, heaven help us if we were to lose this game somehow, um, that could be a bit of a mess for him, <laughs> uh, just from dealing with a. Uh, the uproar and kind of the sentiment surrounding him, as Alan's talked about. I mean, kind of this friend, I've called it manic. I mean, we've kind of swung from manic, uh, Ange is the savior and the, the reincarnate in mid August to, you know, a lot of people or a significant number of people, I should say, uh, kind of flipping on him after the Livingston game. So I, I worry about that continuation of, of manic. Um, so this should be a game where we rotate heavily and get young people game time. And um, cause if not in this game, then when, I mean, it's a league cup game against a lower league team. Um, and I think that the, you know, the counter to that is somebody in Angie's position might say, Hey, I want to win a, th- this might be one of the better chances to win a trophy. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of these dual priorities that, that, go in and and um you know get, given the need for rest and the minutes for some of these guys as alan went over i mean i i think i i would err towards raising the risk of you know maybe an uneven performance and just getting by beating a lower league team as uncomfortable and unfun as that may be versus going guns blazing play a, a top starting 11 and trying to win six nil knowing that you know, we've got another game on on uh, on Sunday, and you know, Dundee United are are not pushovers. I think that they're pretty well um, managed at this point, and you know, they've got their limitations with their budget and whatnot. But you know, they're they're not going to be a, a, a pushover. They're, they're not going to be a Dundee at home kind yeah. of game. I think they'll give us more fits. Uh, should still be relatively comfortable, but. Um, Again, that all depends on whether McGregor's fit, I think. Yeah, I would be changing it up, but again, I wouldn't be a very popular manager. But I I, I, I really want to see Liam Scales 
play. So I, I just want, uh, I want, I am, I'm right on. I'm, I'm starting a GoFundMe page for Liam Scales to, to start for Celtic if it doesn't start tonight against uh, Wraith Rovers. I think I, that, that's that rankly, hip, rankly hypocritical, hypocritical from you because he's left-footed, and with what we've been hearing <laughs> the last couple of weeks, <laughs> I, I, he's, I, he's the only I one just, I trust. He's the only uh, one I trust. Yeah, I, I make exceptions here and there. Exceptions to the rules, there always are. Uh, that is the huddle breakdown in the bank for another week. I'm not going to wish Celtic to have better results because the last week I did that and they lost to Livingston. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna watch the game. Hopefully it is a win. Hopefully it's not. Either way, we will talk about it and, and go over it, and we'll also have the Dundee United game as well next week. James Allen, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right, if you want to subscribe to the Huddle Breakdown, you can get it in the Breakdown Inc. folder. That is on Twitter, The Breakdown Inc. On YouTube, you can just hit the subscribe button below and get notified every time a video is live. And we will be back with weekly episodes every single week. Thanks for watching. Good luck. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.